0: So uh, normally, if you've been with us, we've been working our way through the uh, the gospel. Yeah, the gospel according to Paul, the the book of Romans. Uh, But we're going to pause that for the next three weeks as we uh, turn our attention to what we're all kind of already focused on already in the Advent season. Uh, So we're going to do a series called the Characters of Christmas. Uh, This morning we're going to be in uh, the the Gospel of Luke, chapter one. If you want to begin to work your way there, Uh, but we'll just take this week, next week, uh, Christmas Eve to kind of look at. Uh, look at and through the eyes of some of the people that are at the very heart and center of of Christianity. Did I say something? like You guys are laughing at me? Oh, did I mess up? Take that screen. Take that off. Go, Go to the next one. Did I get that right? Thank you see that's that, that actually helps illustrate my point, as much as we want Christmas to be perfect <laughs> it never seems like it is, and, and nevertheless, uh, spelling errors aside we we put so many uh expectations on this time don 't we like we build it up we, we have so many different traditions to build it up, so much hope, like this is the season of hope, peace, joy, love christ like like we we, we like no other time of the year, we uh, we we we've, we've got movies, right? Like what other time? Like who who watches movies that they watched last year at this time of year, right? Anyone? Okay, a few of you, yeah. You like what? What other genre of movie? What other time of the year do you be like? Hey, you know what? Uh, m- maybe if you're Star Wars, it's May the Fourth. We're gonna we're gonna watch uh, a Star Wars movie. But outside of that weird community, uh, we're all in uh, uh, on the, the Christmas movie. So so have have you started those yet? Has anyone watched some of the movies yet? What what movies have you watched? This is a question to you guys. This 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 season. Home Alone. Okay. One through four? There's four home alones? I thought there was one. Okay. I mean, how many times do these deadbeat parents... Okay. Uh, what else do you guys watch? Elf. Elf. Okay, yeah. It's classic. The Grinch. Which one? Illumination. I don't know what that means. The newest one. Oh, okay. The newest Grinch. All right. What else do you guys watch this year? White Christmas. It's a white Christmas. Okay i think i 've never seen that one sorry i 'm so, I know okay there you go. thanks for the invitation. Any other movies you watch like every year miracle on thirty fourth it 's a wonderful life, 34th, a wonderful life. Uh, Scrooge any Scrooge people okay uh, right like there 's just something about that like maybe it 's this longing for 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 the hopes of, of what what is happening in those movies to to come in some way true in our own lives so so this is going to be the year this is going to be the year where uh, Rudolph is going to lead Santa with his red nose and we 're going to get the right gifts so this is going to be the year when uh, the, the, the the parents don 't leave you behind and and they 're in your life this is going to be the year where your deadbeat father who he doesn 't know you exist uh, and is a Workaholic making kid bad children's books is finally going to recognize you and see you for who you are. This this right like this is going to be the year where uh, your your relative or your boss who who is a Scrooge is going to realize there's more to life than just hoarding money for himself and he's going to be generous with that. Like in all these ways, you're going to realize that it's actually a wonderful life. Uh, but uh, and so there's just all this hope and expectation uh, for for that uh, just kind of builds with it. And, and it's not just our movement. Movies, it's it's our songs. We sang some of them this morning. They're just the same songs we're going to come back to. We've come back for for, for centuries now, and we're going to continue to come back to. uh, It's going to be our our food. Like, there's things that we eat at this time of year that we don't eat at any other time of year. That's kind of weird. But but nevertheless, we're like, yes, it's time to just... Pack on the pounds, or whatever the case is, because this is the time of year where we eat that thing, or we have these parties, or we do these decorations, and we put up these lights, and and all of it is just this desperate attempt to be like, man, I I, I want to uh, arrive and and feel the warmth of the season, right? And so there's a whole new there's a whole new genre of Christmas movies as well, right? Any of you Hallmark movies people, right? Yeah, okay, we got one. My, my wife admitted to me the other day, she said, um, she said, you know, normally, and if you know my wife, she's, she's, uh, studying theology and worldview and, and, and cultural issues and writing books about that. Uh, but she said, I, I, once the lights go up, I, I switch to listening to and reading hallmarkish kind of books. And she's like, I know it's totally out of character, but there's just something in there. And it's the same plot. You just throw in a few different variables. Some girl from a big city has to come home. And then uh, the bakery's going down. Uh, but, but the farmer who looks like Matthew McConaughey comes in. And there's some tension there, but it get, all gets resolved. And she realizes, I need to come back home. And you're like, ah, oh, that's right. We all want to come back home during this time. Right? So there is a lot, but, but we, we, stack, we, we stack expectation and hopes and dreams and they just stack higher and higher so that our expectations are sky high, but, but often our experiences, well, all of our experiences don't quite, don't quite reach uh, the plot line of the movie, don't, don't quite reach all that we had hoped for. And, and that distance between expectation and reality, that gap is disappointment. And, and so actually, this time of year is actually hard for a lot, a lot of people. Hard for a lot of people in this room. It, it's a reminder that life hasn't turned out that, in the way that you hoped it had. You, you thought that you uh, would be dating by now. You thought that you'd be married by now. You, you didn't think you would be going through a divorce right now. You you didn't think uh, that that person would get sick. You didn't, like in in all these different ways, Christmas actually becomes a very difficult, painful time for a lot of people. But whether you're uh, crushing it this year, like you've got it all, uh, you had the right parties, you have the lights, you've watched the right movies, or, or you're just really, really struggling, Christmas, ultimately, if we can strip all that back. And I'm, I'm for it, by the way. I'm for the movies, the cookies, the, the decorations, the lights. I'm here for it. I'm here for the Santa. I'm here for the gifts. I'm here for giving the gifts. Like, I'm here for all of that. But, but somehow, someway, as much as they help us just kind of think through differently in this world, sometimes they can kind of block, block the real hope, peace, and joy that we say we celebrate. So, so um, we wanted to take a few weeks uh, to, to just kind of enter into the story. And the good news this morning is whether you're crushing it or, or you're really struggling, uh, there is good news for you and for me. In fact, if you are struggling, if there's people in your world that is struggling, if life is in chaos, we're going to see uh, from the actual Christmas story, that's much more in line, in tune with the rhythms of the actual Christmas story. And so there's hope for us if, wherever you find yourself this morning. This morning we're going go to go the, to the very closest uh, heart of the characters of Christmas with not two H's, just one one H. Um, but we're going to go to the ones that at the very epicenter of Christmas, Mary and Joseph, who, who in some ways become the very first... Christians they they become the first ones to receive and and accept the the leading and the lordship of Jesus in their lives. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Luke and then we're going to be in the book of Matthew and we'll go through it kind of quickly on each case, but uh, in each one we're going to we're going to ask this question, who were these people? What what were they facing? Uh what were they called to? And we're going to see some parallels between Ma- Mary and Joseph and us and, and then how did they how did they follow their calling? How did they walk in their calling that God had them? So if you have your Bible, Luke chapter one, I might, there we go. Luke chapter one, we'll pick it up in verse 26 and we'll start with Mary. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, now, one of the things you need to understand, in the ancient world, uh, you had to be uh, someone of, of a very high stature or, or a, a ton of wealth to have your story told. It was expensive to have a scribe, to get the scrolls and all that. And so, um, so to even have the story of, of a peasant girl in any fashion is, is a remarkable thing in, in, in the first respect. But, but it also just means that, man, don't we wish that Luke's gospel was more like a 600-page novel? Don't, don't we want a little bit more detail? He's, he's very short with the details, even though he's the most detailed on, on the Christmas story. But nevertheless, let's enter in and try to see what she saw and feel what she felt. It says, first of all, that she was from Nazareth. Nazareth is this no-names, backwoods, kind of bad reputation, uh, part of Judea, uh, of the, the, the Roman Empire uh, and, and Palestine, and, and it, was, it, was the, it was the armpit of, of Israel, really. It, it was the worst of the worst. Uh, it would be like uh, when, when uh, Philip came and told Nathanael about Jesus for the very first time, and Nathanael learned where Jesus was from, what, what did Nathanael say? He said, Nazareth... Can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip just says, "Come and see, come and see." But but they they had an accent, like like we see this in the Gospels and, and in the Book of Acts, like oh you're from Galilee, you're from Nazareth, you're a country bumpkin, like, like it was. Can anything good come from? I don't know. I'm going to offend some people, Mississippi, uh, but um, Pueblo. I don't know. They're uh, just like really like this is where this this the story's going to start and if you're reading this as a first century Jew or or, or 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 a Roman that understands like you're like wow this is really starting off on the wrong foot uh this starts in Nazareth uh to a virgin betrothed to a man so let's talk betrothal for a minute that that is a uh, uh at the time uh a trad- uh, uh A custom that the Jewish people had was called kiddushin. Kiddushin it means it meant that uh, you you would get legally married. You'd have a ceremony, but but for a year you could not consummate that marriage. Terrible, terrible idea, worst idea ever. Uh, but but they are legally married, and if you were to to get out of it, you'd have to actually go through divorce proceedings. And so they're in this time that they've been they've had this ceremony. They're starting to uh, dream about life together. And by the way, this this would would have been prearranged. This would have been arranged by different parents. Again, a terrible idea. I I, I would not trust my parents to arrange my marriage. Uh, but but nonetheless, they did that because the 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 father the 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 parents of the the husband uh, would pay a very large bride price to the parents of the, the daughter, which um, someone with four daughters, this is one tradition I say we should bring back. I, I don't think that my daughter's weddings will be a cash positive e- event. But for them, it was. But, but they wanted to make sure <coughs> that if, if we're going um, to you, give you all this money for your daughter to marry our son, that, that she is pure, that she isn't pre-pregnated. And, and so there was in this time legally married but not coming together. This is Mary and Joseph. They're like any young couple. Well, not quite. Mary was probably 14 years old. That would have been the common age. Uh, Joseph may have been 16, 17 years old, and and so they're starting to dream about life together. What what will this look like? And and you can imagine uh, all those feelings if that was your station in life as a 14-year-old or 17-year-old. And and so this is the first description we have. We have a, a peasant girl from from a backwoods part of town, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. So there's something there. There's something connected to Israel's history. And then um, I'm on the wrong page. Okay. And a virgin's name was Mary. So there, there we have Mary. And it says this: this angel, Gabriel, came to her. So then he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, if you have a Catholic background, uh, this is actually where the Latin takes this and actually mistranslates it, but, but it's where you get Hail Mary, full of grace. Uh, it's a mistranslation because uh, the, the actual Greek would say, greetings, Mary, you are favored. God's grace is on you. Not that you have full of grace to give to the world, but, but that's, another, that's another sermon for another day. Uh, but greetings, oh favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, now nine times out of 10, when an, an angel shows up in the Bible, the very first words out of their mouth is, do not be afraid because, man, that would be terrifying. If right now, just next to me on the stage, boom, an angel. Shows up. Uh, I'm going to be on the floor. We're all going to be sucking dirt. Like, oh no, what is going on? Something terrible has gone wrong. There's an angelic host in this presence. Uh, we'd be terrified. She is terrified, but she's not terrified by the angel. What is she terrified by? Verse 29. But she was greatly troubled. It means her soul was in a kind of just high state of anxiety. She's scared. She's afraid. She's troubled. Why? At the saying. And try to discern what sort of greeting this is. She's not phased by the angel. She's phased by what the angel says. She knows who she is. She's a no name, she, she's the bottom rung of society. She's just a 14 year old girl. And, and yet, this angel, in his, in his authority of an angel of God, comes and says, You are favored you are blessed. God sees you. God knows you. God has plans for you. And and this just rocks her world. Oh my gosh, she says. Verse 30, and the angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So the very first thing the angel calls Mary to is courage. Mary, don't be afraid. Mary, you're going to need some courage, If you're going to follow the ways and the paths and the leading of God in your life, Mary, the first thing that you're going to need is some courage. And as Mary will come around eventually and be the first to kind of receive God into her life, the first to kind of receive Jesus literally and spiritually into her life, she is going to need some courage along the way. And that's one thing we're going to see in Joseph's life and in our lives. Like, like to, to be a Christian requires a degree of courage because the angels and God and Jesus, when he comes and talks to the disciples, repeatedly never promise that life is going to be uh, tied with a bow uh, like, like our Christmas movies. Uh, what, what instead they promise is it's going to be hard. It could be dangerous. It's going to be costly. Uh, it's going to be at times painful. Uh, if you want to have me in your life... So do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And then the angel begins to just cast this vision of a 30,000 foot view of what is going to happen in this 14 year old's life. He says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. We'll get to that with Joseph. Why Jesus? He will be great and will be called the son of the most high God. This is an echo of Isaiah chapter nine. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary, the first thing you gotta know is that the one that is coming from you is the king of kings and Lord of lords. And he's gonna reign on the throne of David forever and ever. He's come to establish his kingdom. Mary, this is amazing. And it is amazing. And her head is spinning. But she's got much more present concerns. Like a 14-year-old girl might have. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. King king, forever, ever. But look at verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? <laughs> she's like, okay. I don't even want to talk about all that. Like, I have a basic understanding of biology. I can't give birth. She, she's not resisting what the angel is saying. She's genuinely concerned. She's not gullible. Sometimes modern people think, well, people in the past, they were just gullible. Like what we see in both Mary and Joseph, like they're not just eager, like, oh, this is the promised Messiah. We can't wait. No, she's got very practical concerns. I'm a virgin. How can this be? And so the angel ratchets it back a little bit and says, okay, let let me show you how this can be verse 35. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. It's this vision. It's this picture of Genesis chapter one, when the spirit is hovering, overshadowing uh, the creation. He's going to do what he did then. Now in your womb, Mary, he's going to create ex nihilo, out of nothing, God is going to come and take on flesh. God is going to, uh, the, the infinite is going to come become finite. The one who takes up every space of the universe is going to come down and take on first the form of an ovum. And then it's going to split. And it's going to multiply th- those cells and those cells and those cells. But the Holy Spirit is going to do that, Mary. It's going to be a, a miracle, Mary. It says, and therefore... Uh, Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Mary, just, to, just so you know that this is actually going to happen, he, he tells her about her, rel- his, her, her relative. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and in the sixth month with her, who is called barren. So she was very old, way past her childbearing age, and earlier in the chapter we see that she gets pregnant. It's really interesting because in the one hand, both are miracles. Uh, the one miracle for Elizabeth is, man, there, there is going to be rejoicing in the whole community. She who was barren is going to have a, a son and they're going to praise God and thank God. And then the other miracle, the teenage girl who's betrothed is pregnant. Well, do we apply Deuteronomy 22 in this case? Do we need to put her to death? Do you see the difference? Of our perception of what, what God is doing. On the one hand, there's going to be a great celebration. On the other hand, there's going to be great uh, controversy, anger, even calling for her blood, maybe. Uh, it goes on for uh, verse 37 For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. She said, It's going to be a miracle. Again, sometimes uh, in, in our modern age, some, some people to maybe be more palatable to the, the broader culture will say, you know, that didn't, that didn't really happen. That There wasn't really a, a, a virgin birth. And we begin to write out uh, the virgin birth. And, and we said, well, you know, if you, if you begin to take out things like the miracles of the virgin birth and the miracles that Jesus did, the feeding of the 5,000, the turning the water into the wine, the the ultimate miracle of conquering death in the grave, coming back to life. If you strip all that down, you don't have Christianity any longer. You have maybe a set of moral principles to follow, but you strip it of its power. We believe in miracles. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that was a miracle. In that moment that you trusted in Christ, the Bible says you became a new creation. The old was gone and the new was come. You were transferred from the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son. We, we believe in miracles. So, so if Jesus can rise from the dead, the Holy Spirit can uh, bring the Son of God into the world through Mary's womb. We believe in miracles. And so as she ponders this, how does she? how does she... How does she follow her calling? Her calling is to, first of all, be courageous. Her calling is to submit to the Lord's leading and ultimately to submit to the Lord's lordship of her life. So, so Jesus didn't come just to be her savior, though he is that. He's come, remember, to be the Lord. He is the king. He will reign so, so we don't just come to Jesus saying, hey, will you save me, Jesus? When we come to Jesus, we recognize who he is and who we are. Your Lord, I'm not. Uh, you're calling me to submit to your ways and your will and your leading. And guess what? He doesn't necessarily consult us all the time. He, he doesn't tell us all that's going to happen. He doesn't say, hey, would it be okay if I did this in your life? No, praise God that he doesn't. Imagine if, if in this moment, like we want, we want to know God, what's the beginning from the end? What are you going to do? What input do you want from me? Let me help you plan this, God. And God doesn't give that to us. But imagine if, if God said, or that Gabriel said, hey, well, let me tell you how the story's going to unfold. You're going to have this kid, but he's kind of going to be a weird kid. And, and people are going to reject him repeatedly. And so that's going to be hard for you, but it's going to get worse than that. You're going to come to a day where his best friends and everyone's going to sell him out, and he's going to be handed over to the Romans, and he's going to be tortured and beaten, and you're going to be standing nearby, and he's going to face the worst death ever. He's going to die the death of a common criminal on the cross, and he's going to suffer for the sins of the world. Oh, it's okay, Mary. Don't worry. Three days later, he's going to raise from the grave. No, no. If she knew the beginning from the end, there would not be one day of joy in her life from that moment. You mean this son is going to go to a cross? She, she, she would not be able to enjoy her life. And God in his mercy doesn't reveal everything to her in that moment. It just says, he's Lord, follow him, trust him, submit to him. So what does she do? Verse 38. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from him. She submitted. She didn't get all the answers. She just said, I am the servant of the Lord. And she followed the Lord. Immediately it says she went off to, to visit Elizabeth uh, to see her, her, uh, her older relative who's pregnant with John the Baptist. And she spends three months with him. Uh, so she basically stays until John the Baptist is born. And then she heads back to Nazareth. Now we're not told, again, these, these things that I'd want to know, we're not told when Joseph finds out. We do know that he found out. We, we don't know that she gets this kind of revelation from the angel and goes and tells Joseph immediately and then takes off for three months. We don't know. And just lets him kind of stew in that new news for three months. We don't know if she came back after three months with maybe a little baby bump and, and, and says, hey, I, I've got to tell you something about what happened to me a few months ago. We don't know. But whatever and whenever it happened, Joseph didn't believe it. He's like, oh, really? Uh, God, God impregnated you? The Holy Spirit uh, came, overshadowed you, and, and you're pregnant now? Right. Did he give you unicorns as well with that? Like, what, what else, Mary? Come on, what else? So let's think about 16, 17-year-old Joseph in this moment. Think about what he's going through. He is devastated. He had these plans. Plans, he's a carpenter. He was going to save up his money. And he was going to make the best house in the little tiny village that he could possibly afford. And they were going to not only build a house, they were going to build a family. And they were going to do all these things. But, but then the news comes, and he doesn't believe the news. He's devastated. He's shocked. He's angered. Certainly, he's angry with Mary. How could she? Angered with whoever would, would do this to her. Maybe he's angry with God. God, God you could have stopped this. You could have prevented this, and, and, and he 's wrestling through this, and so let 's pick up his story in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter one verse eighteen says "Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way: when his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. His life, his dreams, everything about him is shattered. Uh, but but he is also built differently. It says he's sadik, he's righteous, he's a just man, he's a good man, and so he could have, uh, and and this would have retained a little bit of shred of his credibility in the community. He could have said, "Hey, uh, she's unfaithful. I didn't do this. So let's apply Deuteronomy twenty two. Let's put her to death, and I'll retain my." my reputation, and I can move on, and I can get remarried, and I can live my life, but even though he's wounded, even though he's hurt, even though he's angered, he says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just, we're going to go through this. People are going to, people are going to do the math and know that something doesn't match up. Something's not right. And they're going to look at us funny, but I'm going to, I'm going to divorce her later. I mean, people can do the math, right? Sometimes, um, some, you know, we have four daughters. Our oldest daughter is also our newest daughter. She's adopted, and so she was born before we were married. And so sometimes oh, we'll, we'll, they'll be like, how old are your kids? we will be like, uh, our kids, she's 23. Oh, how long have you been married? 22 years. And they're like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> sometimes we tell them, sometimes we don't. Um, but again, in a small town, Nazareth would have been maybe 1,500 people. 1,500 people that all know each other's stories and tell each other's stories. And Joseph's like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do what I can do. I'm not gonna claim my rights, but I'm, I'm going to divorce her quietly after this thing goes down. Verse 20, but as he considered, meaning like those sleepless nights, those, those tossing and turning, those trying to figure out how to get your life back together. As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, now, this is interesting. Joseph, in Genesis, uh, always had God appear to him in, G- in dreams. And so this is how this Joseph gets this encounter w- with an angel. And again, the, the, the command is not be afraid. But again, it's not because of the angel. Look what it says. Joseph, son of David, reminding him of who you are, ultimately. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph, the first thing that you need is some courage. You're going to need some backbone. Stop feeling sorry for yourself, Joseph. She, she didn't betray you. She, she didn't, God, God didn't let you down. But, but, but if you're going to step into this moment, you're going to follow God and all that he has for you in the coming days. You're going to need some backbone. You're going to need some courage. You're going to need to man up, Joseph. You're going to have to uh, stop weeping and stop uh, saying, woe is me. But you're going to, if you're going to follow God's leading and lordship in your life, you're going to first need some courage. God is at work here. Again, to be a Christian takes courage. Paul said it this way at one point. Anyone who desires to live a godly life or a holy life will be persecuted. Welcome to Christianity. If all we want is for the world to like us, there's better religions out there. Be a Buddhist. They seem nice. But if you want to follow God's leading and lordship in your life, then it's going to take some courage. There's going to be rejection There's going to be some scorn. There's going to be some pain. There's going to be some suffering along the way. Because God's got plans that he doesn't always let us know, let us in on. Doesn't always show us where he's at work. But he's got eternal purposes in your life and my life. Sometimes those eternal purposes mean present pain and suffering. And so he calls first to Mary, first to Joseph, first to us. Take courage. Don't be afraid. Verse 21 she will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is, there's two implications here. One, it speaks of, Joseph, you're going to step up and you're going to adopt this kid. It speaks of adoption. It speaks of, Joseph, you, you, you get the, the privilege of naming this kid. You're going to be the first adoptive father. You're going to be the adoptive father. Sometimes I used to preach in, in Romans chapter 8. It talks about how we receive our adoption uh, uh, as sons and daughters of God. And I said, in heaven, everyone except for Jesus will be adopted. But, but then I realized today, no, no, uh, Jesus too was adopted. It was just in his human nature. He was adopted by Joseph. And so God gives Joseph the, the command, the charge protect your wife, protect his son. You're going to be the father here, and you get a name of him. But guess what? You don't get a name of Joseph. Because while you're the adopted father, he, you don't name him. He names you. He's actually the Lord. He's actually before you and above you and beyond you. So you name him Jesus or the Hebrew Yeshua, which means. The Lord saves. And that's what he says. For he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. And so he is called to courage. He's called to submit to the lordship and leading of this baby. Verse 22. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So how did he follow his calling? Well, I think, first of all, he he looked to and and began to put things together. He looked to Mary's example, her her courage, her faith. Mary willing to blow up her life to save Joseph. And Joseph would be willing to blow up his life to save Mary. And the son that would be born would be willing to blow up his life to save Joseph and Mary and me and you. You see the, the connections here? When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And there's this cadence to it. In in verse uh, 20, he says, take Mary for your wife. In verse 21, name him Jesus. Look what he says. He did as he was commanded. He took his wife, one, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus, two. He gets up in courage, walks in faith, names his son, walks in obedience, how do we do that? Again, Joseph was able to look at the, the, the most courageous person in this, Mary, and, and follow in her footsteps. And then uh, we, we look at Joseph and say, hey, even if it, it's costly, even if it's dangerous, and it is dangerous, even if it costs finances and reputation, and even our, our own lives are at stake, and that they will be later on in the Gospels, he gets up and he obeys God. So, we're called to courage. We're called to submit to the Lord's leading in our lives. And we're called to submit to the Lord's lordship in our lives. He is God and we are not. So so how are you doing with that? How how do you think of Christmas this time of year? How do you think of these things? I have a couple questions I want to put on the screen. The first one is, uh, in what ways is God leading you to walk in courage? In what ways is God leading you to walk in courage? If, if I'm right that to, to be a follower of Jesus requires a constant amount of courage, then there's probably some way, shape, or form where the Spirit of God is, is leading you and the choice in that moment, in, in the moment that you're in right now is, man, do I take the path of, of wimping out? Do I take the path of comfort, safety, security? Or, or do I walk in courage? Do I walk trusting God is who he says he is, and he will accomplish all that he promises he will do. Second question, uh, in what areas is God calling you to submit to his lordship? That this baby born is the king of kings, and, and he doesn't ask you to, to consider. He, he, he demands obedience. He is in charge, and he's the best kind of king. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us to life. And so we come and as his citizens, we submit to his lordship. So in what areas of your life is God saying, hey, I'm lord over this. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Submit to me on this. I don't know the answer for you, for me. I'm trying to consider that even for myself this year. What does that look like? Well, how do we do this? We look to Mary. We see the faith of a 14-year-old girl lead us out on this. We look to Joseph, and we see someone who hears from God, gets up, gets a backbone, acts plays the man, and leads his family well. And ultimately, we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who goes to the cross, pays the price for you and me, has his life blown up so that you might have life forever. What we want most this time at Christmas is peace, hope, love, joy. All of that is purchased by the son who was born in a manger who would go to a cross. That's where love, peace, hope, joy eternally is found. We exist to know God, to be known by God. And Christmas is that invitation. It reveals something about who God is. And and by his grace, we are known by him. We know him and we make him known. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us this morning. Lord, we do thank you for Mary and Joseph. Thank you for your amazing plan that none of us would draw up, that the world would see as inconsequential, and through it you rescued and redeemed the world. Jesus, I pray that we would have courage as a church in whatever areas you're leading us to, calling us to, I pray, Lord, that we would have a glad-hearted submission to your Lordship, that we would recognize that you know things we don't know. You have power to accomplish things we can't accomplish on our own. So let us walk as Mary and Joseph did in obedience to you, we ask in Jesus' name.